verses 5 through 17. If you prefer to look at it on the screen, then you can do so. And while you're turning there, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Father, use me for your glory. I'm just a servant this morning. And none of me and all of you, Father, be glorified as we talk about your word this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number five. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the, all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of, the, of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense when an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of being surprised by answered prayer. How many of you have ever been surprised when you prayed about something and all of a sudden God showed up and you didn't expect it? And you were just like, whoa, how did I get here? You ever heard of a there was a great evangelist by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was a, he was a missionary and he had, uh, he was well known for his orphanages and in, the, in his early 20s, he had a dream when he first started out in the ministry. George wanted to be an evangelist primarily, but after several attempts, he failed at becoming an evangelist and so he put a whole lot of effort into his orphanage and, and helping kids. And, and I don't know if you ever read about George Mueller, but he's an incredible man of God, and God had provided for him in extraordinary ways. But it was somewhere around the age of, in his 60s, like around 67, somewhere in there, where his ministry of being an evangelist really took off. But before, I mean, he was in his 20s, 
you know, he had a dream. He had a prayer. He had a vision that this is what he was supposed to do. And it did not happen right then and there. But some years later, and he's in his 60s, and from his 60s all the way up into his 80s, he's not only known as a great uh, missionary, but also as a great evangelist, a great preacher. You see, his dream was delayed, but not denied. How many you know what I'm talking about this morning? His dream was delayed, but not denied. In fact, there are certain dreams and prayers which we have assumed, we assume sometimes, have been forever been denied by God, when in actuality, God brings it about at a later time than expected. We live, the problem with us human beings is we live inside of time. God lives totally outside of time, and God lives in eternity. And it reminds me of the scripture where it talks about in the book of Hebrews that, that many of those believed God. They, and they embraced the promise, having not received it. Many of them died, having not received the promise, but they embraced the promise afar off because they knew that still, how I many know, look at it from this way, look at it this way. There have been prayers that have been, that have been answered from saints. You and I are beneficiaries of prayers that's been prayed for many, many years before we got here. Because somebody prayed for you many, many years ago. And you're sitting here today in church because of the prayers. Now, did, was their prayers in vain? No. Their prayers wasn't in vain. It's just that God thinks, he thinks of eternity. And so, when we have to wait a while for our dreams and prayers to be answered, and when God finally does answers our prayer, we have a tendency to enjoy it more. How many have ever given your kids something, and you'll see it this Christmas, you're going to give them some things, and they're going to just rip right through the toys. If anything like my kids, they grab the wrappers, and they go, whoop, 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 whoop. And then inside of a week, it's like they don't even play with the toy anymore. The, the toy gets totally... It's just like it never existed. And the reason that is because they really haven't, you know, spent a whole lot of time working and paying for it and investing all. You've done all that and you hand it to them. And when you hand it to them, you see them. You, you slow, with my kids, I have to tell them, slow down, slow down, enjoy the toy, enjoy. And that's going right through it. Because they don't really appreciate the sacrifice that went into it in order to get that toy. You know, when you have to work hard for stuff, sorry about that, when you have to work hard for stuff, all right, okay? When you have to work hard for stuff, you really appreciate it a whole lot more than when it's just kind of handed over to you. You know, it's the same with God. God, sometimes he'll bring us through some trials and some difficulties. He'll bring us through some obstacles so that when we finally come through it, we can really rejoice and give God the glory. You see, somebody who has never, ever been through anything, they haven't really lived life yet. If you never really had to believe God for something, if you never have really been through anything, you really haven't lived yet. But, but, but those that have been through trials and those that have been through difficult circumstances and those who had to believe God and God came through for them, they seem to rejoice all the more because they had to go through a lot to get what they got. 
So they tend, they enjoy it so much more. There are benefits to delayed prayers or dreams. I know you think to yourself, no, there's no benefits. They're great. There's a lot of benefits in delayed prayers or dreams. Number one, your faith is strengthened. Your faith is strengthened when you have to believe God. See, they tell me in, in sports, see, the best way to really get prepared and on Sunday when we look at the football games and, or the basketball game or whatever your sport is, we see the finished product on the field and we get excited, right? But we don't, we don't even see what they all have to go through during the course of the week in order to get there. We don't look at all the, 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 the preparations that they have to go through. But in order for them to really succeed, they have to endure sometimes throwing up when they practice. They have to endure the hot heat. They have to endure getting hit, sometimes getting an arm or leg broken if it's football or if it's some other sports. They're benefits. God, God oftentimes, when he, he, he strengthens our faith by carrying us through things in life, by carrying us through those hardships and Times when we really have to trust God, when we really have no answer, God is building faith in us. And so you say today, well, I want to be a, a, a strong child of God. I want to be strong in my faith. Then get ready to be tested. Because you cannot be strong in faith without going through some stuff. Are you with me? That's how you grow. That's how God stretches you. Another benefit is that conditions are such that your prayers and, or dreams are maximized to their fullest potential. Sometimes you're believing God for something and you want it now. How many of you, most of the time, you pray, you pray, and you want it now? Do most people pray that way? They're expected to get it now. When I say now, within like the next week or within like the next year or, or within like next couple of minutes, we want God to do it like now. But, you know, one of the things we got to understand about God is God is thinking of other people. See, it's just not about you. I know that's hard for you to imagine. But God is also working in the lives of many other people. He is using your life. And somehow our lives are intertwined with other people's lives. And so oftentimes God will delay a dream. He will delay a promise, not because God is denying it. It is because he's waiting for the conditions to be right so that he can maximize the blessing that he wants to bring into your life. God is your biggest cheerleader. He is for you. Oftentimes, another benefit is, 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 is how God matures us. Sometimes we can't handle a blessing. How many of you believe right now that if God had given you what you wanted 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you'd have messed it up? You know, my kids, if you, you ask my kids, my kids think right now, I mean, Jeremiah and Destiny, you, you know how old they are, you know, 8 and 6. They think right now that they can handle a lot of money. They think, and, and they, can, they have no idea. If I gave them, and many of us are the same way, Lord, give me millions of dollars. Give me, and, and that sounds really, really good, but the question is, what would you do with that million dollars? For some of us, God said, no, I can't give it to you right now because if I gave it to you, you would just squander it. You would just go and you would be all over the world and you would be doing all kind of crazy stuff with it. And so I cannot do it now. It kind of reminds me of how when the children of Israel, right before they went into their land of promise, when God said to them, listen, I'm going to let you sweat it out a little bit. I'm going to let you go hungry. Oh. Why are you going to let me God? Why are we in this wilderness? We, kids are hungry. What's up? God says, I'm going to let you go hungry. I heard you cry, but I'm going to allow you to do this. 
Because what was God building in them? He was building faith. He was maturing them so that when they did inherit the blessing, they would know how to handle it. And so he would always tell them, beware. Now, when you're blessed, when, when, you're, when your cupboards are overflowing, when, when there's food and there's clothing and you are prospering, don't you forget the Lord your God because it will be very easy for you to walk away and forget God because God has blessed you so. And so sometimes God will delay because he says he wants to make sure that you're mature enough to handle it. That's why the Bible says don't give a ministry or don't promote someone in ministry too quick because they can get puffed up with pride, for an example. And you can ruin what it is that God is trying to do in their lives. And so here in Luke chapter 15, this story of Zacharias. Now I want you to hear this. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were ordinary people just like you and I. But the scripture says concerning Zacharias and Elizabeth that they were righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. And they were blameless. Now, now, this kind of flies into the face of those who think that sometimes that just because I have problems in my life or just because my prayer is not being answered, that somehow something is wrong with me. That's, listen, oftentimes that's not the case. Here, they were blameless walking with God. And they had prayed for a child. And Elizabeth was barren. They couldn't have any kids for whatever reason. We don't know. The scripture doesn't elaborate on why they couldn't. She just couldn't have any kids. One would assume, well, what was up with them? I mean, they were walking with God. You know, why, you know, God should just, you know, maybe it's something about their life that's wrong. Maybe they didn't say the right prayer. Maybe they didn't have enough faith. Maybe there's just something that's wrong with them because if they're blameless and they're walking with God, then God should be giving them and granting them their requests when they requested, right? Kind of like the story of Job. You remember Job? The Bible said Job was a righteous man and he shunned evil. He feared God and God took everything from him. Well, not God, but, you know, the enemy. God allowed the enemy to take everything from him. And all of his friends came up and said, what's up with you? Because if you're supposed to be a a righteous man walking with God, how come you sitting here sick? Why are you diseased in your body? Why don't you have, why, why are your kids dead? And, and by the way, and why have your wife left you? I mean, you call yourself being blessed of God. And you're sitting here all by yourself looking pitiful. You were rich, you were low, you got nothing. Now look at you, and yet you're still talking about God. What's wrong with you? See, it's a human nature that's always say that something was wrong. But Elizabeth and Zacharias were blameless. In other words, God was well pleased with them. These weren't people that were in the church and outside of the church. These were people that were committed to God. They were serious about their faith. They loved God with everything, with all of their heart. And I like what the verse says in verse 13. Here, Zacharias is going into to offer sacrifice for the people. And with so many priests that used to do it, the priest who the lot fell to him or the lottery, they would cast lots and it fell to him to go and offer sacrifice. And oftentimes this was a one time shot for the priest. And so he's going in and he's going to minister. He's probably thinking, you know what, I'm just going to go here and just serve God. Right. I'm just going to do my duty and I'm going to walk out. And all of a sudden an angel show up. See, this is why you got to be careful that you don't just get in the routine of things. 
God is going to do my devotions today. I'm just going to say a couple of prayers. I'm going to come to come to church. I'm going to set up. I'm going to tear it down. I'm going to preach a sermon. I'm going to go home. But then, you know, God just happened to show up and just throw you for a loop. And it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting God to show up. It's kind of like how Zacharias went in there. I mean, faithful man of God. Loved God with all of his heart. And all of a sudden, the angel shows up, and he's, he don't know what to think, what to say. And he says, Zacharias, your prayer, your prayer has been answered. What are, what are you talking about? Now, you, Zacharias, had prayed for a child. God heard the prayer. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This was something that they prayed when they could have children. They're well advanced. Well advanced means that you're old. Somebody said you're well advanced in age. That typifies that you're a little bit older uh, uh, than, than a lot of people. You're older. He says to them, your prayers has been answered. But, but, but interesting thing how he says it. He says it in such a way to suggest it's almost like Zacharias and Elizabeth had just prayed this prayer a couple of weeks ago. Because he says, your prayer has been answered. Well, I prayed that prayer to God 25, 30 years ago when I can have kids. I mean, I can't have kids now. I mean, this is, this, this is God. This is way about I me. Mean, what are you talking about? I mean, now? And, you know, we all like to kind of look at this story and look at Zacharias and say, man, he wasn't really walking in faith. But you know what? We will all be in the same place. You know, if God came up and showed up, you, you, here you are, 60, 70, 80, and God says, your prayer's been heard. You're about to have a baby. You'd be like, <laughs> What are you talking about? All right, don't want one now, right? I mean, you see, the dream was delayed, but not denied. Because you see, God knew all the while what he was going to do. Some of you have dreams and visions. You've been believing God for all kinds of things. And you thought to yourself, you know what? It did not happen, so therefore, it's over. I'm going to give up on this dream. I'm not going to do it anymore because obviously it's just not going to happen because it haven't happened yet. God sent me here to tell you this morning, your dream may be delayed, but it's not denied. There's a big difference. And here, Zacharias gets a revelation and God just shows up and he throws his life, his life for a complete loop. I mean, know that their life was drastically changed. And, and, and let me tell you something else about God, how awesome God is. Not only did he say, you know what, your prayer has been heard. For God, that's a word for somebody. Your prayer has been heard. I don't know what it is. Your prayer has been heard. But not only did God answer their prayer. Watch this. God gave them John the Baptist. Now, all of us who have kids, right? As parents, we want our kids to be full of the Holy Ghost, right? We want our kids to make an I mean, look at this. You know, if God bless you with a child, wouldn't wouldn't you like this right here? Look at this. And watch this. And verse 16. And he would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. How many of you want kids that would do that? (laughs) And he would go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. I mean, Elijah was a powerful man. To turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's what I want my kids to be doing. 
So not only did God answer their prayer, God gave them John the Baptist, who was a forerunner, because he it's not just about having in this particular sense, just having kids just to be having kids or just having your dream fulfilled just to have it fulfilled. See, God is a God of purpose. And he says, he says, he says, Look, I'm not only going to bless you, your prayers may hurt, but but your son is going to be the forerunner to the Christ. How many know when God does it, he does it good, doesn't he? That means that God gives us his very, very best. God knows what he's doing this morning. He knows what he's doing in your life. <laughs> Turn to Exodus chapter number three. You know the story of Moses. I want to read you this passage. Exodus chapter number three. This was Moses, a mighty man of God, who was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Trained in in all the ways of Egypt, right? I mean, this guy was trained and anointed. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 7, you'll have to turn there. I want you to read Acts chapter 7 in your spare time because I don't want to, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it. But in Acts chapter number 7, the Bible says that it came into the heart of Moses when he was around 40 years old to visit his people. In other words, God gave him a heart for his people. Moses had visions and dreams that he would lead his people out of bondage and out of oppression. So when he's around 40 years old, God puts a burden on his heart. That's how God called people into ministry. That's how God gives you a a job. God calls you into an occupation. God God gives you a gift. He gives you a heart for it. And so here Moses thinking that, okay, God has called me to lead the people. And, you know, after all, I've been trained in the ways of, of the Egyptians. I've been living in Pharaoh's house. I understand the customs. I understand the language. And so, you know, obviously... God has called me to do this, and everybody else should realize that God has called me to be the leader and to lead the people out of oppression. But how do you know that sometimes when you have a dream and a vision, not everybody's going to always be jumping up and down about your dream and your vision? Understand that. That's why you got to be careful who you share your dreams and your vision with, because not everybody could understand it. Not everybody's going to jump on board. That's just for free. I just thought I'd throw that in there. And so here, Moses He's thinking to himself, you know, I'm going to be the leader of God's people. He got this burden in his heart. So then he sees one day, he sees an Egyptian that is mistreating an Israelite. Israelite. And Moses go and strike and kill this Egyptian. Word gets back to Pharaoh and Moses becomes a fugitive of justice. In other words, they got a warrant for his arrest, for murder. Think about that. The man to whom the law was given was on a run for murder. For 40 years, he ends up in Midian. Now, I know he's thinking to himself, you know what? And I can imagine because, you know, these folks, the Bible said these people were human just like you and me. Could you imagine what Moses might have been thinking? You know what? I had a dream. I felt like God called me to lead the people, you know, and nobody really understood. Nobody really supported me. And here I am. I'm on the run. You know what? I'm just going to come out here in the land of Midian. I'm just going to live my life, have a family, and just try to be a good person and just die. I mean, no, that's not the way God designed you to be. So here he is. He's just over there just chilling out, just thinking to himself, my life is just the dream, the vision 
But God had put in my heart, it's over. I can't capture it now. It's gone. It's over. I can forget about it. But then God shows up again in a radical fashion. Look at Exodus chapter number three. (laughs) Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. But then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said to him, do not draw near this place. Take your shoes off or your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith and he was afraid to look upon God. Verse seven. And Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because their taskmasters For I know their sorrows. For I know their sorrows. How many need to know this morning? God knows your sorrows and he hears you and God is going to send relief to you. He's coming your way. So I have come down. Hallelujah. I have come down to deliver them. Glory to God. God meets us right where we are out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to land. Uh, a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites and the Havites and the Jebusites and every other kind of site that you can think of. And so here God shows up in the most. Think of it. Think of it. Think, I want you to think of this for a second. Moses living his life, thinking that the dream had been denied by God. All of a sudden, God shows up in a radical form and says, Moses, you know that dream that you had in your heart of leading my people? You remember how I put that in your heart? Well, guess what, Moses? Now it's time for you to do it. But God, that's been like 40 years. And, and if you go on to read the story, Moses started making all these excuses. I mean, God, I mean, Moses had really put this behind him. Some of you have dreams that God, that you think for some reason that God is, that, you know, you put this behind you. You thought to yourself, it's not meant to be. Not necessarily hold on. Wait a minute. How many know the thing ain't over until God says it's over? Hallelujah. See, with God, that's why we can live in a state of perpetual hope. Perpetual hope, because you know what? Even though a thing doesn't happen right now, it does not mean that God is saying no. It just may mean that God is saying, I, I need you to wait, because I mean, you know, Moses was a bit of a hothead. Moses wasn't ready at the time to lead the people. And the evidence was how he responded when he saw the Egyptian being, uh, you know, uh, troubling an Israelite. The way that he responded in that. And so what does God do? God sometimes will bring us through another way. He begins to, and there he began to humble Moses. How many know that Moses had to have been pretty humble at that point? I mean, coming from Pharaoh's house, I mean, at that time, Egypt was the place to be. I mean, they were loaded with resources. And he was, he was loaded. He, he'd come down to living in, kind of like in the country, if you will, like in Wakefield, Virginia, where I lived. Nothing like the city, in the country where there's nothing. He's just kind of hanging out there and God just kind of shows up and changes Moses life forever. How many know Moses life was radically changed after that? 
Moses was not the same. You see what God is saying this morning? The dream was delayed, but it was not denied. You see, now, see, you, now you got to begin to understand how God thinks about things. Because God is staring up in some of you right now. God has put something in your heart, something that you have been wanting to do for a long time. Something that you have been believing God for. God sent me here this morning. I'm telling you, this is a prophetic word. God is saying that the dream has been delayed, but not denied. I'm going to bring that thing about, but I need you to hold on. Wait a minute. Trust me. <laughs> Just trust me. How many know God knows what he's doing? He really does know what he's doing. See, there's that period of silence, right? You know, let's talk about that period of silence. You know, from the time that there's a birth of a dream or a prayer or a vision and to the time that it materializes, there's that open space between the birth of it and it actually coming to pass, whereby God is silent. How many of you have ever thought God was silent? Boy, that's really tough, isn't it? That you think to yourself, you know, God, I've been praying and it seems like you ain't talking to me because I keep looking at my circumstance. I don't see any changes. How many have you ever been there? I mean, I've been talking, God, but it doesn't seem like nothing is happening. And God is kind of silent. And you're kind of left to think either God don't, it's not listening to me. My prayers is not that important to God. Maybe God is not pleased with me. I suggest to you today that it could be neither of that. It's just sometimes. It's just the way God is. It's the way God is. There's periods in your life where God will test you. And, and, you know, I, I, I want to recite this verse. It says in 2 Chronicles 32, 31, you can write it down for your notes. But when the rulers of Babylon sent emissaries to find out about the sign from God that had taken place earlier, God left him on his own to see what he would do. He wanted to test his heart. There are some times, you know, I, the best example I can give you is, our, is, is, a, is a child. And, and can I use Lauren for an example? Lauren right now is at the age where you have to constantly talk to her. Don't do this and don't do that. In fact, many of our kids are the same age. I think you got, you know, I, I'm all over the spectrum. I got them old, I got them young, I'm everywhere. But you know how your kids are when they're really babies, you really gotta, you know, when they first come out, you really gotta hold their hand, you gotta watch them because they're falling, they're, they're trying to learn how to walk, they're trying to learn how to talk, and you're much more involved in their life. So when they go to school, you're much more involved. But you know, as, as the, the older they get, what do you do with them? You start to let go a little bit, if you're a wise parent. <laughs> because if you're not, they'll be with you forever, and you don't want that. Hallelujah. But if you're a wise parent, you start watching them from afar. It's not that you have left them. You following me? It's not that you have left them. It's just that all the training and everything that I've put inside of you, I've laid the proper foundation now and you're experiencing this right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch you from afar. I'm still there. If you need me, still, you can call me. But look, but you can handle this. God does that sometimes. And it's that period of silence where God just kind of say, okay, I've laid a foundation in you. I've taken you through this. I've been training you. I've been speaking into your life. Some of us got so much word, we're about to swell up and pop. 
We got everything that's in us. Now we just need to go through some things. We need to live it out. We need to live it out. And so, and that's that period of silence where, you know, when I first got saved, it was almost like I was, God was always in my ear. And then I, there was a time when I was like, what am I to do, God? God, talk to me, talk to me, talk. And God was like, uh-uh-uh, this, you got to trust me in this. In fact, turn with me to Job chapter 23. We talked about Job. Job comes, uh, is right before the book of Psalm. Job chapter 23, listen to this. I want you to see, again, I want to underscore that Job was a righteous man. He feared God. There was nothing wrong that Job had done. And I want all of you to get that. There was nothing about, so, so that you can't always say, well, just because God didn't answer my prayer, something wrong. Some, it doesn't mean that. I want, to, I want to share with you this morning, and I need to communicate in a way that you get it, that, that you got to understand how God is. Many people don't really understand how God operates. You know, the scripture says, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so is God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. In other words, God doesn't think like us. He doesn't act like us. Everything about God is totally different than what we naturally think. That's why it's important to get the mind of God. That's why it's important to read the Bible, to try to understand. Understanding God's ways, and I'm reading the Bible. You know when I'm reading in the Old Testament and I'm reading in the New? Because the Old Testament sometimes can be challenging, right? But you know what I'm really looking for? I'm trying to understand how God thinks. I'm trying to understand God's ways. But Job was a righteous man, feared God, shunned evil. And look what happened to Job. And, and look at chapter 23, verse number one. Then Job answered and said, watch this. Now, remember, he's sick. He's lost his health. He's lost his money. He's lost his family. He got nothing. And he says here, and look at verse number three. Oh, that I, uh, oh, I, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his ear, to his seat. I would present my case before him. See, now he's, he's really, he's like, God, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I, need to, I, don't, I, I need to be where you are and fill my mouth with arguments. I mean, he's already preparing what he's going to say to God. <laughs> I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in great power? But look at verse number eight. I want you to drop down to verse number eight. He said, look, I go forward, but he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. And when he looks on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him. What was Job saying? Job was saying, I'm in a situation right now, God. I don't know what to do. And it's like, I can't find you. I, I don't know. God, I don't understand what you're doing to me. I remember going through different periods and stages in my own life where I, I sit back and they say, God, where, God, what are you doing to me? God, I don't understand. I'm going forward. I'm going backward. God, I cannot see what's happening. Joe's main issue with God was that God wasn't talking to him about what he was doing. God wasn't filling in the blanks. Boy, and that's really hard for us humans who have to live in this world because we like it better when we're in control, right? We like it better when we can look at the numbers on the piece of paper. We like it better when we have the things in our hand where we can decide, right? And then God comes right along. God says, no, you, 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 you're going to have to trust me. Job was a man of God, a man of integrity. If it, you can't get more righteous than Job. And Job himself said, 
I have no clue, God, what you are doing to me. I am all over. I mean, God, what, what are you doing? And if you go read the end of the story, <laughs> Job got a revelation. Job got humble. He realized that, you know what? I just should have kept my mouth shut and just trust him. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Right? Why does the scripture say, I want you to think about this for a second. Why does the scripture say, don't lean on your own understanding? Anybody? Why do you think God would say, lean not on your own understanding? Okay, he's on mission. Anybody else? Okay, excellent. He said, lean out to your own understanding. <laughs> because your, under- your own understanding will drive you crazy. <laughs> your own understanding will make you want to give up on God. Your own, un- your own understanding will put- take, you to- take you into places where you will walk away from God instead of walking This is like, oh my goodness. Sorry about that. But your own understanding oftentimes will lead you astray. It will cause you to be confused, to be frustrated, and to be sometimes even angry at God. Now, nobody here will ever say I'm mad at God. But there have been times I've been just mad at God. I'm going to tell you, and I tell God, Lord, I am, I'm upset about this. You know, one thing I found out about God is God can handle whatever it is that you're crying to him about. He's bigger than that. I mean, you don't necessarily, you know, God's still going to perform his will. You understand because he's sovereign. But God is sit right there. He'll listen to you pout and he'll listen to you scream. Just like we listen to our kids pout and scream. We look at them like like a dog is trying to figure out what's wrong. You ever had a dog and dog kind of stare at you like. It's like God's like, are you done? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out God because you cannot do it. That's why he said don't lean on your own understanding. Because when the minute you try to understand and try to figure it out, it's going to drive you crazy. You're going to get frustrated and you're going to get nowhere. He said, but in all your ways, acknowledge me. He said, here's what I want you to do. Just acknowledge me. Just keep serving me. Just keep walking with me. Just keep loving me. Just keep praying. Just keep reading your Bible. Just keep worshiping me. And I'm going to direct your path. I'm going to come through for you. But you know what? The only thing I'm going to require of you is don't try to understand me. See, some of us, we've been trying to understand God, you know, because the human side of us always want to know. Why? Why? Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of times that you're not going to get any answers to your why. You just got to say, Lord, I'm just going to have to trust you. But the good thing about it is he's already told me in his word how to handle these situations. He already told me, don't lean on my own understanding, but acknowledge me because you ain't going to get it. You remember my thoughts higher than your thoughts, my ways higher than your ways, that the heaven are higher than earth. So my thoughts higher than your thoughts, my ways higher than your ways. His ways are not just higher, but they're better. God knows what's really best for us. 
God really knows what you really need. We think we know what we really need, but in actuality, we don't. And so he calls for us to trust him. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I, I, I thought this is, how many of you have ever read the message version of the Bible? It's very, very direct, and I like it in some cases, but listen to this, because we all heard the scripture, Jeremiah 21, 9, uh, 11, but it says, for I know what I'm doing, or I know the thoughts I have for you, you know what I'm talking about. But listen how the message Bible says it. I know what I'm doing. This is God talking. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hoped for. Glory to God. Isn't that good? God says, I already, listen, your life has been mapped out by God. He said, I, listen, I've already, I got a plan for you. Well, God, I don't understand. This doesn't seem like, well, well, no, don't you try to figure it all that out. I got this. Well, God, I don't know. But God, I thought it was supposed to. God, wait a minute. But God, I know the plans I have for you. I've already taken care of that. I've mapped that out for you. Boy, think about Zacharias and Elizabeth. What was Elizabeth thinking at that time? How many tears I wanted did she cry, believing God for that child? And God shows up. Just shows up. Says, now I'm ready. Now it's time. Glory to God. Galatians 6, 9 says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due time, you will reap if you faint not. Sometimes the human nature in us want to give up. That's why the Bible says that the more as we see the evil day approaching, we ought to come together and encourage each other. But that word due season means this. Watch this. This is beautiful. Due season is, listen to this. I'm going to give you this analogy first of all. You ever ate fruit, let's say an apple for an example, before it was ready to be eaten? When I was a kid, I was one of those hard-headed kids. You know, when I was, because I used to go out in the yard, I, I wouldn't like the, the PlayStation. This is the PlayStation generation. But when I was coming up, we hung outdoors. I would go outside and play all day long. My mother would used to have to come and find me. Because, and you know, my source of food was the plums, the apples, the peaches. And if it was too early, you know, I would just go ahead and eat it anyway. And I remember times when I would eat apple and fruit before they were ready to be eaten, and I would get sick in my stomach. Now, and sometimes, depending on what season it was, I got a little bit of pleasure out of it, but it really wasn't like it would be if it was really ripe and ready. Or you ever tried, you ever ate fruit when it was, way, it was too, too late to eat it, like pears. I used to love pears. If you wait too late, the pears will have like rotten. You bite in it and it got rotten spots. It's like, ugh, I bite. You know, you waited too late to eat it. But when the scripture talks about due season, that means that when the conditions are perfectly set 
for success and the accomplishment of the desired purpose. Due season means it's, it's this picture of when I bite into this piece of fruit that I'm eating it at the right time. It's not too old and it's not too early. I'm eating this fruit at its peak time where I can receive it and where I can eat it and I can fully enjoy it. He says, be not weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. Due season means you just got to know that when the time is right, God's going to come through for you. Perhaps the reason why it hasn't been answered the way that you want it to be answered because it's not due season yet. God is the judge of our lives. And so I'm going to finish with, with Psalm 1, and we're going to read this, and we're going to be done, and we'll go ahead and prepare to do communion. Uh, in Psalm chapter 1, while you're waiting on God, this is a wonderful psalm. While you, remember, your dream, your prayer may be delayed but not denied. Your dream, your prayer, your vision may have been delayed but not denied. He said, be not weary in doing well, for you're going to reap in due season if you don't give up. Now, you need to hold on to that. So, what's the, so my calling is not to ever quit. Well, I don't feel like, well, nobody asks you what you feel like doing. Our calling is we never quit. But look what it says here in Psalm 1. I love this. The first few verses. It says, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not, I'm sorry, in the counsel of the ungodly. I need to really start using my glasses. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. So, so he's calling out the person that's blessed. He says, see, a person that's blessed, you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They're not walking contrary to the ways of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Lord, And in his law, he meditates what? Day and night. Now, here's what we should be doing as we're waiting for God. You say, well, Lord, I've been praying, Pastor, about this, and it ain't happening yet. Here's what you need to be doing. You need to be walking with God, meditating in his word on a regular basis, not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but hanging around people that's going to stare your faith, hanging around people that's going to preach faith and not doubt and unbelief. (laughs) And he says, watch this, look at verse 3. And he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit when in its season. Whose leaf also will not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. This is the attitude we must have as you are believing God for your dream and your vision or your prayer. So I want to leave you with this thought. Maybe you find yourself this morning, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? Pastor, I, I mean, I really had this thing in my heart to do this. And, and you know what? And it's it just, you know, I just given up on it. And I've heard stories of many, many people and experience even in my own life who say they gave up on something in later years. At a later time, God gave them exactly what they wanted. Because God just does things totally different than what you and I 
have grown accustomed to expecting. But maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're saying, God, I, 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 I thought you were supposed, I was supposed to do this, and maybe you've given up. God's word this morning to you is the dream has been delayed, but it's not denied. I'm going to bring it to pass, but I'm going to do it in due season. I'm going to do it when everything is perfectly set and right so that you can enjoy it in its maximum way. That's what this is all about. That's what Zachariah's story and Elizabeth's story is all about. And God showed up and they were surprised. But wouldn't it be nice to, that God show up and you stand there and you say, God, I have been waiting for this for many years. I'm not surprised at all. I knew you were going to come through for me. Boy, that's faith, isn't it? God, I've been waiting. I pray. I've been waiting for this for years. That's why as a Christian, there's no such thing. You know, people say when they get in their later years, they're going to retire. You can't retire from being a Christian. You can't retire from serving God because Abraham was in his old age, him and Sarah, when they were still having babies. Hallelujah. There's no retirement in God, but there's perpetual hope that we can live in. Every eye is closed, their head is bowed.